0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Dreamlight Podcast. I know I promised you 22 days of solo episodes, but I missed a day a while back. And so I'm bringing you a bonus episode today in honor of Infertility Awareness Week with one of my friends, Elizabeth King, who is a fertility coach. I personally had difficulties conceiving my first. I struggled for three years to conceive. I was eventually diagnosed with PCOS, and I did conceive through IUI, and I know that Infertility is so common. In fact, one in eight women experience troubles getting pregnant, staying pregnant, and one in four experience the heartbreak of a miscarriage. And so my friend Elizabeth can share some insight as a fertility coach. She's also been through a miscarriage. So together we share our fertility stories, my story conceiving and the struggles and ways that I coped and Kept my spirits high, and how she overcame the heartbreak of losing a child, and how she has a great toolkit for you to check out called Mamas After Miscarriage if this is something you are struggling with or experience in the future. And if you want to connect with Elizabeth after the show, I will link everything in the show notes, but you can find her at ElizabethKing.com or on Instagram at ElizabethKing underscore coaching. She also has a podcast called Pretty Little Tribe, which covers all thing fertility. So if you are interested in learning more, Pretty Little Tribe is her podcast. I will also link that in the show notes. So I hope you enjoy this conversation, digging into this important conversation. I know that babies are part of so many women's dream life and their visions for the future. And I know how challenging it can be to want something so badly and it just not be happening. On your own timeline. And so I hope today makes you feel a little less alone and know that resources like Elizabeth or communities are out there to support you in your fertility journey. So let's listen in, you guys. Here we go. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Dream Life Podcast. I'm Tiffany Paul. I'm a mom, wife, and entrepreneur, and of course, dreamer. Join me here each week to have conversations about what it means to create the life of your dreams. To me, a dream life is about so much more than just the stuff we have or the things we've accomplished or achieved. It's really about a feeling. It's about creating a life that we love living. And I do think it's possible to enjoy the journey on our way to these big dreams we have for ourselves. Why wait? But I also know it isn't easy. So join me here each week to talk about it. I'll be sharing the ups and the downs of creating a dream life. Get ready to get real, dream big, and feel good. This is the Dream Life Podcast. Elizabeth. Welcome to the Dream Life Podcast, my friend in all things motherhood and now fellow podcaster. I'm so excited to bring you here and have this conversation around fertility. It's really, you know, this conversation we're having here is all about living the dream and having babies is part of so many people's visions. So I'm so excited to have this combo. Welcome.
1: Thanks, Tiffany. I'm so excited to be here with you.
0: Yes. And so we met, God, how old are our kids now? Four. And my friend was actually holding my baby at a Starbucks. And you walked past and asked my friend, how old is your baby? And I'm like, well, that's my baby. (laughs) And the baby's this old. And you had one a similar age. And we've just connected ever since on like all things like spiritual and being entrepreneurs and moms. So thank you for interrupting my Starbucks coffee.
1: Absolutely. I'm so glad I did.
0: Yes, and so let's kick things off talking about like where this passion for fertility and helping those maybe struggling with fertility issues, where does that come from?
1: Yeah, so where it really came from, Tiffany, is, and you and I haven't spoken about this before, but my sister, who was diagnosed with a rare cervical cancer Um, she was 26 and I was 19. And at that time she was given four months to live and was told that she had to have a radical hysterectomy and she would never be able to have children. And when I came home to my parents' house that night, when she was there with her husband and they had only been married six months, all she kept saying over and over crying to me, it was me and her in my bed was I never meant that I didn't want to have kids because they had just gotten married and everybody was asking them. So when are you guys going to have kids? When are you guys going to have kids? And she was like, oh, we're not. We're just going to have fur babies. And she felt like she had almost willed that to herself at that moment. And she kept saying over and over, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. And in that moment, my first thing that came out of my mouth to her and in my heart was, don't worry, I'll have a baby for you. You know, I'll do it for you. And mind you, this was, gosh, 26, 27 years ago now, I think. And she's all good now, I will add. But um, at that time, it wasn't really a thing. Surrogacy wasn't really a thing. You couldn't do it. You couldn't offer to be a surrogate unless you had your own baby. And there was a lot of things around it. And I understand that. But that kind of triggered my initial journey on this whole fertility path I guess and knowing that there's this whole segment of people that want to have children and can't. So that's where my it originally started. And then in my 20s I had my own business um starting at 22 23 and everyone around me was much older than I was and they kept saying uh, you know they were going through their own struggles with fertility and I okay, and I'm you know traveling the world and doing whatever and not really into it but in the back of my mind hearing this right? And I ended up getting divorced at age 30. So at age 30, I went to the fertility doctor and said, I want to freeze my eggs. And he said, you're too young. Come back later. Um, Eggs don't thaw well. And I was like, okay, I was not prepared for that here. I was thinking I was doing something really good to be, you know, I had my 401k. I was going to have my eggs frozen and like have everything lined up like I always did and was really surprised by that answer. But it made sense to me the way he explained it. So an embryo, for any of you who are are listening, an embryo freezes and thaws much better than just an egg does. And so a reproductive endocrinologist, as we call an RE, would much rather freeze an embryo rather than an egg just for your success later. So at 36, I was still single and went back to him and said, knocked on the door, I want to freeze my eggs again. He said, okay, still not great to, to do it. but. Your eggs are 36-year-old eggs now. We'll do it anyway. Um, So I went down that road of IVF at that time and really, again, still really not like burning yearning for a baby or anything like that. It was more of just my insurance policy to know that I had that in the back burner if I needed it.
0: And, and you're a planner, and I feel like so many yeah. people can relate, right? It's like, yeah. this is what I'm going to do. I'm totally. here at 30, and then I'm surprised it took you six years knowing you. <laughs>
1: I know. Very type A, you know, wanting to make sure all the, the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. Um, I think because at that time, I waited to 36 knowing that what he had told me before, as far as the, you know, it's really not the ideal situation. And then at that point, knowing, okay, well, it's kind of now or never, essentially.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, So I did that. And then at 39, realized that I was having some irregular periods and something wasn't right. And I went to my OB and they said, no, it's not a problem. You have fibroids, but it's not, they're small and they're, it's not a big deal. Um, my gut feeling was something is seriously wrong. And I went back to that R- same RE again and said, "Um." they're saying this, and I just want you to double check because I do want to use my uterus. I'm pretty sure. And, uh, can you just double check for me? And he checked and he said, sure enough, you they're small, but they're in your lighting and therefore it would cause you problems getting pregnant. So he referred me to a gynecological oncologist who did a surgery for me, and um, right after that, they had said because of your age. Now I was forty. I was now with my current husband, and they basically said if you're going to try, you need to try now, as soon as you heal from the surgery. So we did, and our first try after that, we did get pregnant. And um, so I had this naive thought of this is how easy it was, right? Um, and after that first pregnancy, ended up having a subsequent miscarriage. And that kind of led me down the path really of focusing my, shifting my business as well as my life coaching business to focusing on helping women and open this narrative around fertility and miscarriage loss. Yeah. I remember
0: when that happened weeks later, you were like, I'm going to help other women. And I'm, I always like, we always connect. We're just like such ambitious ladies yeah. that even in our down hours, we're like, I just I can see the vision. I remember being like, that's something I would say. And we were at Starbucks again. (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) I remember that. So this is like so on your heart. I know that. And so we connected actually. I also had fertility issues completely different. Like I struggled for three years to get pregnant with the baby you saw at Starbucks. Mm -hmm. And I was diagnosed with PCOS and that – made it a little bit more difficult. We ended up conceiving with an IUI, three rounds, two failed and, or maybe it was four rounds. I don't remember anymore. (laughs) I try to block it out, I guess. Right. But it's funny because we weren't even friends then, but it just shows you how common it is. Right. And so what are the statistics as far as women having infertility issues or experiencing miscarriage?
1: So the statistics on infertility are one in eight couples are struggling with infertility. And those numbers are actually going up because the male factors are becoming more and more recognized. Um, same with miscarriage. So miscarriages in 1 in 4 and that's what is reported. So they believe that that number is much higher because there's quite a few miscarriages that go missed and or unreported. Um as well as now there's a lot of studies coming out that are opening up the eyes to know that the men, you know, the sperm is actually which is is partly to cause the miscarriage whereas for many years it was like the eggs aren't good or you know We, the women kind of took that burden on themselves, thinking it was our fault. When now we're able to know that, you know, if the guy has some abnormal sperm, that time that's that could be the cause. And so it's really important also to get your partner on board with your planning for your fertility to make sure that they are taking supplements, they are living a healthy lifestyle, especially during those times when you're actually trying to conceive. So if you're going out on a bender and smoking and drinking and whatever, that can affect the sperm quality. So
0: talking about being prepared and taking those proactive steps there's like a fine line between like being proactive being prepared and then getting obsessed and stressed over it you know I know like so many friends of mine who are single they're just like oh my god I need to freeze these eggs or like people who are just trying and they're like oh my god it's been four or five months and you know it's I, I'm infertile or whatever. They, it's this mm-hmm. fine line between like being prepared, being in touch with your body, but not freaking out. Yes. <laughs> and so what advice would you have for people who maybe are just starting to try or they are you know, worried about the age and conceiving, but there's no known issue yet. What advice would you have for them and how they can be proactive but not stress themselves out over this?
1: Right. My first advice is do not ever... Put the coin term on yourself that you're infertile. Period. End of story. Never, never, never say that about yourself. I don't care if you have block tubes. I don't care if you have no uterus, whatever, because we are all able to create and be fertile in other ways. And so we want to imbalance, like take that whole a whole part of ourselves as women to say we are fertile in in one way or another. So that's yeah, not and not putting
0: that energy. Yeah, it's conscious languaging, and then not putting yes. the energy out there. So it's like if you're like you said, your sister's first thing was like, "I said this," and that's not necessarily why that happened, but words have power. We yeah. are putting certain energy out into the world. So if you're stressing and worrying about that, I mean, if you're looking at the laws of attraction, you're essentially bringing more of that energy potentially into your life. Same goes with that conscious languaging because there's energy around words. So Absolutely. I love that call out.
1: Yeah. So that's just a sidebar. And and part of what I help my clients to work with, because oftentimes when you're in that experience, you feel... It, you it's not a joyful journey. It's not a happy situation to be in. So to find the conscious language around that sometimes is not easy. As far as getting your mind caught up and not going down that negative spiral, I would say, as far as the constant, oh my God, am I ovulating? Am I not ovulating? Do I go to the doctor? Do I not? All those things. Again, to your point of being a planner, I think that that helps in the the whole process of trying to conceive. So starting from... If you ever think that you want to be a mom at some point in your life, whether you're 25 or you're 40, I would say start getting to know your body better. And the more you get to know your body and you educate yourself around your ovulation, your cycles, all of those things the more empowered you are. And when you're empowered, you are able to calm the noise in your head because you're able to think more rationally about what's going on. If you're working on your mindset, along with trying to conceive, you're up to 60% more likely to conceive. That is a huge, huge number. And there's a lot of scientific fact to to prove that.
0: It's just those things that like the doctor is not necessarily going to tell you, which is like why someone like you can be helpful. And like my best friend is going through IVF and she just had to implanted and i told her you're not even going to fucking consider she lost the first two and i'm like you're not even going to consider that you're just going to be so excited you're going to be like so in this energy i'm like i want you to go to the baby store i want you to go fucking buy some outfits get in the energy of that this baby is coming and when i conceived cameron on that third or fourth try i went to vegas i did not wait around for a failed whatever i was like I'm not doing that. I'm going to Vegas. I'm assuming it's working. So I'm going to, you yeah. know, have just one, mo- one mojito, not yeah. seven. And I'm going to do pool versus maybe the club. And I like, went to Vegas. I'm like, the energy is that it's happening, and this is my like last hurrah, yes. and I ended up bringing forward the baby. And I feel like there's so much power in living in that mindset of it's happening because it's so easy for infertility to take you down. So I would love to hear from a more specialist, <laughs> educated perspective, <laughs> what tips and tools, advice do you have for people to get into that right mindset?
1: So you're talking about what we call the two-week wait period, right? So you had your yeah. IUI and then it's called the two-week wait. Most people end up testing their beta, which is their pregnancy test at the doctor to test their HCG levels um, around day nine to day 14. But to your point, Tiffany, what I say to people is stay in that moment of assuming that you are. In this moment, I'm going to make that fa- faith purchase, as you call it, to to mm-hmm. go out and, and say, Whether this is happening right now or it's going to happen, you know, two months from now or whatever, I will be a mom and staying in that energy of the knowing that you will be a mom and someday your little one is going to be wearing those little shoes or wearing that little outfit that you picked up is so huge. And then going about your day, you know, whether that's Vegas or whatever, Mm -hmm. really does shift the mindset and help you to distract during that time of waiting. Specifically, tools that I help people with during that time is keeping yourself busy. So ideally, yes, you could go on a trip somewhere, but otherwise, what is it that lights you up? You know, is it meeting a friend for lunch? It's, to me, having something on the calendar every day that lights you up on a spiritual level and reminds you who you are aside from this fertility journey right because we don't want this journey to be consuming you you need to really stay in touch with who you are at your soul and regardless of having a child or not having a child you matter and you're not broken and everything will be as it will be. And we're just going to take our steps to get there. But in this moment, what can you do today and tomorrow that is planned in order for you to wait for your, your beta or your pregnancy test?
0: Yeah. And that ability to pull yourself outside of the situation is going to help you when you are a mom. Cause you see so many moms become overwhelmed and consumed with like, being a mom they forget who they are and that's one of the reasons I love you so much many reasons but it's like you are so strongly and like I am Elizabeth and you know me I'm so strongly like I am Tiffany and we actually barely talk about our kids and I love that because I feel like (laughs) so many of my mom friends it's just like the kids and it's like that's fine but that's just so not who I am I'm so I've so separated myself from being a mom and maybe one of the reasons we're so good at that now is because we had to pull ourselves outside of it like with you like considering whether or not you might may or may not have kids or you you had some challenges and then same with me it's like I had to pull myself outside of the situation of infertility and remember that I am Tiffany Paul and I totally agree with you I tell everybody always have something on your calendar. I've booked a trip to Bali, a yoga retreat. I'm just like always had a trip. If you can't travel like internationally because of the pandemic or finances, coffee with a friend, uh, tap dancing class, whatever, always have something on the calendar. And literally my children's names, I don't know if you know this, but are named after this exact philosophy is Olivia is live for short. And Cameron's middle name is gray. And we named him that way because my philosophy during the whole journey was always live through the gray. And so the moment you stop having something on the calendar, the moment you stop living your life, waiting for this damn baby to come forward. That's yeah. the moment like despair and hopelessness comes in because it's its not going to be easy. It's not going to be like, oh, therefore, I'm not struggling or crying over a failed pregnancy test or a miscarriage. But you're you're not forgetting about the most crucial piece of your life and that is to live it.
1: Yes, absolutely. And all that to be said that, of course, it is the process that you want to get to the other side. Right. And mm-hmm. that's where Being a fertility health coach, I feel like I got so much mind, body, and spirit entwined in that so that people could say, yes, we're going to still be ourselves while, you know, approaching this other end goal of the positive pregnancy test. And how do we go about doing that? We check your blood work. We make sure you're with the right doctors. We go through, you know any self-preservation that we need to do in your life? Do you need to be not talking to somebody who's kind of toxic right now because you take on that energy and we don't want you to be taking on any of that energy? Do you need to be seeing somebody about past lives? Is there something that's blocking you from conceiving from a past life? Is there cord cutting that you need to do from this life in an unhealthy relationship? So we really look at all aspects. We do blood work to see, is there any sort of red flags? Um, we get you on a specific supplement protocol because not all supplements are created equally for everybody, depending on, you know, what you may have. And so we really do a lot of the logistical tactical work as well as the mental health work as well.
0: Yeah. I love that. That holistic approach is key. I went like the first year just being like, whatever, And then I tapped into like diet and exercise after I was diagnosed with PCOS after year one. And then I moved into supplements and acupuncture to support me and Reiki to help move energy. Yeah. So like all the things and then, um, but ultimately ended up being IUI and some other fertility medications that got me over, mm-hmm. you know, across to the other side. And it's like, everybody's on their own journey and can decide when that next step is for them. How do you work with your clients to decide like, when is the right step to move to maybe an IUI or medication beyond just maybe yeah. like Reiki or acupuncture?
1: So again, everybody's different and it depends on where they're at in the journey. Some people, you know, get up to their third or fourth IUI and they've hit A wall completely uh, emotionally and they feel like I just can't do it anymore I don't want to do any more of the medicated cycles or they get the clomid crazies as I say and then again it goes back to the more knowledge and, and education you have about your own body you're able to make the better decisions to what plan B is for you so whether that's egg donor IVF or embryo donation or really making the decision either to adopt or to you know move forward with your life without children which is an okay route to go as well. And sometimes that can be a long process in itself, just realizing maybe it's not really what I want, or it's not worth that to me. Like I have a lot of people that say I'll do IUI, but I just don't want to do IVF. I just don't, you know, we just made a choice. We're not going to do that. That's okay. But also allow yourself the space to change your mind Hmm. because you might get down that road and be like, you know what? I do want to do that. Honor that. Honor your intuition to say when you're 50, 60 years old that you have no regrets, right? You feel like you did everything that filled your soul to give yourself as much validation as you needed for that, because it is it is probably the most life-changing decision you will make in your life.
0: I would love to hear more about your journey around, I mean, you you conceived Holden when you were 40, right? At the right uh-huh. age? So yeah. I would love to hear, about, hear more about your personal journey on the fact that you did not conceive until you were 40. What was that journey like? I'm sure you had to have many internal pep talks. It's really strange,
1: Tiffany. I never, I never did. I guess I always had a knowing that I would be a mom. It never crossed my mind other than the fact I felt like I needed to do the egg freezing thing because everybody kind of told me I should. It's kind of like I say to some of my friends that are older that are single. It's like, if you put that energy out there of feeling so desperate and I have to have this so much, at some point you start to push that away. And I think unconsciously it never came in my realm of, Maybe I won't have it. I think there was a little bit of time at like around 39 that I was like, oh, I haven't really thought about this. Maybe I should start thinking about this. What if, what if I can't? Um, But I didn't stay long in that, in that space. I just kind of thought if it was meant to happen, it's going to happen. And I felt like I had a knowing somewhere inside that it was.
0: Yeah. I love that. It's just that living in the possibilities. You also, like you mentioned, had a miscarriage. I can't relate to that at all but that's very common, one in four. And so what advice would you have for women who have experienced a miscarriage to cope or just kind of move through that?
1: So the first thing is talk, communicate your feelings, talk to your partner, Uh, talk to a friend, talk to a coach, a therapist, somebody who will engage with you. So it was really important for me to find somebody When I was going through it, that could say, I understand what that feels like. I went to a therapist um, after my first loss who specializes specialized in miscarriage and came out of there to my husband in the car. And I was crying because I felt like she didn't say anything to me of letting me know that she could relate or anything. And it just, I felt so empty because all I was looking for is somebody to say, I know what that feels like. And I'm here to listen to you. And this was my experience. And so that's a big part of why I show up in the way that I do with serving women who have had loss is because I'm here to listen to you. I want to hear your story. I want to hear your experience because it does matter. And it's so important to acknowledge that loss because it is such a significant loss. Yet our society kind of trains us that it's so common. So you get back on the saddle and you go back to work, you know, the next day after your procedure. Well, it doesn't really look like that, right? Some of us bleed for months after. And every time we go to the bathroom, seeing that blood is a constant reminder of this story that we lost, right? We thought we were going to have this family that didn't happen the way that we thought it was going to happen. And so really acknowledging the loss and grieving with it as it's happening or as soon as as you can after that is really important, you know, not just kind of glossing over that because you, you want to make sure that you are healed from that process and it doesn't come up years down the line. I have clients that were dealing with their losses six, seven, 10 years later and doing remembrances and commemorating those babies because they didn't at the time. And they realized that hole is still there in their heart. Um, Even though they may have gone on to have other children, they really didn't feel like they had a fair time to grieve that particular pregnancy and what that meant to them. So I have a Mamas After Miscarriage Guide that helps women go at their own pace to get answers on how to communicate with their partner or their family who was also aware that they were expecting and or not expecting because sometimes that's even harder Um, how to deal with the shame and guilt and grief that goes along with the loss we do have ptsd around miscarriage loss the next time you are pregnant you always think? Am I not going to hear a heartbeat? What's going to happen? So the, the anxiety is really a true thing. And so I work with a lot of women around that specifically as well.
0: Yeah, I know. I feel like this society does. We talk about how common it is. So I can see how it would be so easy to kind of gloss over it and then just kind of, like you said, get back on the saddle and like focus on like the thing mm-hmm. you came here for, right, which is a healthy baby. And so taking that time to grieve that loss. And the other thing you touched on is like this shame and guilt. And we talked about this earlier about I think it's very common. I can relate. I totally had huge shame around the fact that I couldn't easily conceive. And I was feeling like this is literally what we are created to do. And some, I'm broken, like you said. Mm-hmm. Like I can't do this thing. What is wrong with me? And like from an evolutionary standpoint i was like i would be like probably disowned by a man because i wouldn't have been able to give him a child and so i definitely was like taking it on as like you know my identity and something was wrong with me i eventually moved past that i mean it was a three-year journey but i i would love to hear your perspective on how you what advice you would have for like moving past those initial feelings of like something's wrong with me or shame and guilt around the fact that maybe they're having difficulty conceiving
1: Oftentimes, it's seated in something other than just the ability to conceive. The ability to conceive kind of highlights some of those feelings that we already have in our life. And so that seems to bring it to the surface. We think that it's just this, but really it's combined with other things. And so as we work through those things combined, you're able to move past that and realize I'm not broken, I'm okay. And I want to point out your story to Tiffany, because it's very hopeful for a lot of people. So you struggled for three years with Cameron, but then, you know, right after pregnant
0: right away. Yeah. I was like, well, I better start trying because this could take a while. And it was like month two, I got pregnant. And then I totally related to what you talked about earlier, where I was like, well, this is too good to be true. It's probably going to miscarry because all of a sudden I'm having a baby so easily. And then you're just like holding your breath until, you know, you kind of get out of that clear. But yeah, definitely every journey is so different and so unique. And yeah, my mine is an example of the next time was super easy. And it was like three years versus three months. And it was same with their labors. It was literally four hours of pushing and four pushes with Liv. Yeah. It's just the is- it, the differences in labor and just conception and children. it's like so, so varied.
1: It sure is. And to that, you know, not to discount others that have their first really easily and then have secondary infertility. Mm-hmm. That's a thing, too. Yeah. Which is the opposite kind of experience. Yeah, I have of. friends
0: going through that. Yep.
1: Yeah, so I think all all aspects of it are important to acknowledge, but at the end of the day, I think there's so much support now that was not around before and just us having these conversations brings awareness for women to know whatever side you fall on, there's hope. And then if you're if you're just starting to conceive, we can help you get there faster, easier and in a healthier state of mind than we could years ago because we have the tools to do that now. Yeah, absolutely. All right, girl.
0: Well, it's been so great chatting all things fertility with you. I end all of my conversations asking my guests to define what does living the dream look like for you?
1: I feel like I'm in it right now, which is a weird thing to say because name your kids ages. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, four, two and a half and one, Um, all boys again, right? Um, So it's a little crazy. But in it, in the fact that it's an ongoing process right for me that dream is an ongoing journey and this is just one step of that dream of getting to all the other things that are yet to come and trying to be present in the now of that dream to say this is it this is what i've created and that's pretty amazing to be able to share my message every day and help women and be present for my kids and my husband and my family. And and really doing the work on myself every day as I'm going through it and allowing myself the grace and space to say you're doing the best you can every day and just trying to help one person every day is all I can ask as part of my dream.
0: Yeah, and I love how you're calling out like being in the moment, that present moment, even if it's messy and chaotic with three boys and a fucking pandemic and whatever, just embracing that this is the dream you're living it so i love that thank you so much for joining me here and wishing you all the success and may all your dreams come true my friend
1: so excited to see our
0: future yes in italy (laughs) manifesting that italy (laughs) italy italy italy